Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, church. It's good to see all of our Bridgewater Church family online, as well as friends that have found their way to us. So good morning to everybody, and I hope you're ready to dig into Psalm 23 once again. Hasn't it been a great journey so far? I mean, this psalm, to only have six verses, there's incredible depth in every line that King David writes. And if you think about this psalm, this psalm was never meant to be something that was a magic formula to bring peace the moment we read it. But what this psalm is designed to do is to help us embrace the purpose that God has for us in every season of our lives. Whether we're on a mountaintop or in a valley, and we're going to talk about valleys today, we want to know that God is with us every step. And let's just look at a recap. Don't forget that David is sharing five unforgettable truths. The first truth in week one, the good shepherd refreshes me. In week two, we learned that the good shepherd refines me. Well, let's look at Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3, and then add verse 4 for today. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Now here's the verse for today. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Oh, listen, how many times have you read that verse, just verse 4, and found God closer to you than ever before? Perhaps this is the first time you've ever heard verse 4. But isn't it something that can bring a peace of mind that we need, knowing that the Good Shepherd is with us, no matter how difficult our lives really are? And there's something about this psalm, especially in verse 4, that helps me understand the third significant truth that David is writing. That truth is this, the good shepherd reassures me. This verse, verse 4, is truly a verse that brings comfort to anyone who reads it and decides, hey, I am going to trust the good shepherd no matter what. And here's the reason. We're all afraid. I don't care how tough you say you are, there is something that we have all been afraid of or something that we will fear in the future. I thought I'd have a little fun, okay? Do you know what the top 10 fears or phobias are in this country? All right, now, please give me a little grace when I read them. 
These aren't words I tackle all the time. Fear number 10, tripophobia. That is the fear of clusters of small holes or bumps. It's the individual who avoids things like coral, sponges, or uh, dried honeycombs. That is a true fear. What about number nine? Aerophobia. Come on, you know what this is. The fear of flying. It's estimated that 6.5% of the world's population is afraid of air travel and enclosed spaces. Misophobia. Now, you know this as a germaphobe. The fear of germs, it's interesting because the breakdown is 7.7% of women and 4.6% of men struggle with being a germaphobe or misophobia in the United States. Now, this is one that you hear about all the time. The fear of small spaces is called claustrophobia. Five to seven percent of the world's population struggle with the fear of being restricted or, now listen to what goes along with this, being suffocated in a small enclosed space. How about astrophobia? Now, I knew this, but I didn't know it had a name. It's the fear of thunder and lightning. Nearly 2% of Americans struggles with the fear of storms. And who do you think struggles the most with this? Kids. You got it. How about this? Cynophobia. The fear of dogs. Believe it or not, 1 in 20 people are afraid of dogs. 75% of cynophobes are women. And the majority of people who are afraid of dogs are also afraid of cats. How about agoraphobia? This is the fear of open, or the opposite, crowded spaces. Nearly two out of every 100 Americans suffer from agoraphobia. They are debilitated when they are visiting malls, markets, theaters, or believe it or not, when they're in a very open space, they feel alone. How about this? Number three, acrophobia. Can you figure out this one? The fear of heights. Nearly 10% of the people in the United States are known to suffer from the fear of ascending or descending. Anything that's high, get this, including a chair. Now that's interesting. All right, you're going to get this one, but I don't know that I'm going to get saying it correctly. Here is number two. Ophidibiophobia. I, I'm sure I blew it. But it is the fear of snakes. It's the second most common zoophobia affecting nearly one-third of the population. And finally, number one, arachnophobia. I think we all know what it is because there was a movie called that. But this is the fear of spiders, and this is the highest percentage. 30% plus of Americans living in the U.S., are afraid of spiders. Now, honorable mention, just let me do this, it's not on your screen, but honorable mention, fear of the dark, fear of the dentist, fear of cicadas, I had to throw it in, and believe it or not, because of COVID, the fear of people has been growing. Now, that was fun, wasn't it? 
But the point is clear. Don't ever go up to say to someone, I'm not afraid of anything. There are fears that plague all of us. And I know I haven't really touched on some of the fears that you might be wrestling with. The fear of broken relationships, a health scare, something going on in your life that you can't control. I know, it brings fear. And if you're struggling with any kind of fear right now, Psalm 23, verse 4, has the power to bring fresh insight and comfort because David is going to challenge us with this third truth. The good shepherd reassures me. Are you ready for that today? Do you want to be reassured? Now, I need to stop for just a minute and get honest. Sometimes people ask for help. They want reassurance. At least that's what they say. But the minute that you begin to try to comfort them or reassure them, they've already decided nothing will help. Let's start this morning out with an open mind. Let's decide right now that we want to be reassured by the Good Shepherd. Let's not put any roadblocks in God's way. And if that's the case, there are three promises that come out of this beautiful verse that I want to share with you, just as David has shared with all of us through the centuries. Let's start with the very beginning of verse 4. David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Let's just say it together. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, what's David picturing in his mind? He's going all the way back to his younger days when he was a shepherd boy. Remember, that's where he was. He was out tending his flock when he was called by the prophet Samuel to come in to be with his dad and his brothers, and he was anointed to be the future king of Israel. But he started out as a shepherd. And here's what's going on. If it's true that David is being chased by his son Absalom, if it's true that David feels that possibly his life is going to end, this very first promise makes sense. The good shepherd reassures me in my uncertainty. Now, David realized as a shepherd that there were times, as we've already read, that the, the, the valleys are green and they're lush. There are still waters that we can rest beside. He knew all of that. He had had his sheep in beautiful green pastures before. But David also realized that as the seasons changed, he would have to take his sheep and move them from the lower valleys and the green pastures through deep wadis. He would have to move them through struggling landscape and territory so that he could finally put them on a higher plane and find the grass that they needed. When David writes this, he understands what he's saying. He isn't just trying to be poetic. He said, David labels this a darkest valley. And the King James doesn't have it wrong when they say it this way. He calls it the valley of the shadow of death. He says, listen, life isn't easy. 
We're always in transitions, just as a shepherd would transition his sheep. That's our lives. We're always in movement, going from somewhere to somewhere else. But listen, those transitions can be frightening. And as David pens verse 4, literally he's saying, I'm walking through a steep valley in a narrow gorge. There's, there's barely any light. And literally, in the Hebrew, it says, the death shadow follows me. The struggle that David was dealing with was that he was frightened, are you ready for this? Of unknowns. Wow. Who hasn't been there? We can all be afraid of the unknowns. Man, it would be so much better to be in Gatlinburg on the top of the Great Smokies, wouldn't it? But David says, no, 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 no. He says, I'm in the valley of the death shadow. Specifically, there's two insights that come to mind. As David writes, first, we need to realize that a shadow is only a shadow. You've been in the shadow of a mountain before, and it hasn't fallen on you. You haven't been demolished by a rock slide. And something else came to my mind as I was studying. Have you ever been in the shadow of a fast-moving train? The first time I was in Germany, I rode a train called the Ice Train. It traveled at 186 miles per hour. And I took it from Heidelberg back to Frankfurt, where we were staying that evening. I can remember as we stood on the platform and the train came swooshing in. Is that a word? Can I say that? It came pulling in at such a top speed. All the passengers felt the wind of the train, but here's something else. Soon the light became much more dim because we were standing in the shadow of the train. But you know what? The train didn't kill us. The shadow of the train didn't demolish our lives. In fact, think about it this way. It actually transported me to my next destination. Always be reminded when you read Psalm 23, verse 4, that the Good Shepherd knows that you're in transition from, at times, a deep valley of despair. You may not even share that despair with anyone else. And by the way, when we do that, when we hold it all in, it's not healthy for us because it makes the valley even deeper. It makes the death shadow feel even more uh, luminous and enlarging in our lives. David is saying, even though I feel the shadow of death, he's, he says, I'm going to put my trust in God. Now, there is something else that I would be amiss if I didn't share this. There's another meaning here. David knew all along that he could also physically die. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody before about death, and they looked at you and said, I don't want to talk about it right now. I, I don't want to dive into that. Let's, let's talk about something else. You see, when I think about the first promise that the Good Shepherd reassures me in my uncertainty, one of the most uncertain moments in all of our lives is when we're surrounded by the shadow of death. But death is not a shadow that can kill us if we put our faith in Jesus, the Good Shepherd. 
If we choose to ask Jesus to be the Savior of our lives, then death is only a shadow of what is to come. I've always enjoyed reading about the great evangelist D.L. Moody. And it's very interesting if you read about the night that he passed away. His eldest son, Will, was in the room with him. At three in the morning, he woke up. Moody seemed to be dreaming, but he was able to go back to sleep. Then again at 6 a.m., he quieted down. But suddenly, Moody was heard speaking in slow and measured words. And this is what he was saying. Listen to what D.L. Moody said to his son. Earth recedes. Heaven opens before me. Now the first impulse was for his son Will to try and wake him. But Moody spoke to his son and said, Will, I'm not dreaming. It's beautiful. It's like a trance that I see. If this is death, it is sweet. There is no valley here. God is calling me and I must go. D.L. Moody passed from earth to heaven and death to life on December 22nd, 1899. Mm. Can you hear the words of David? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you see, it's just a shadow when we put our faith and our trust in the Good Shepherd. Someone wrote this, and I didn't want to leave this promise without reading this anonymous quote. It's beautiful. Life is an uncertain journey. Trust in God, and you will never lose your way. Can I read it again? Life is an uncertain journey. Trust in God, and you will never lose your way. Let's look at the second promise. Still in verse 4, just the next section. David writes, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now think about it. David says, I feel the breath of the death shadow on my neck. I sense that things are uncertain. But he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Here's the second promise. The good shepherd reassures me in my loneliness. Immediately there are two words that stand out. And I have to tell you, they're tough words to wrap your mind around. David uses the word fear. In the Hebrew, the word fear describes a feeling of dread that results in emotional terror. Wow. Okay, wait a minute. David is saying, my emotions are all over the place. I have a sense of dread I can't get rid of. And all I keep thinking about over and over again is the terror that comes with the unknown. Then he adds the word evil. The word evil in Hebrew? Think about this. It captures the entire experience of wickedness, hurt, mischief, trouble, harm, and grief. Hmm. Can you imagine if we read verse 4 like this? I will fear evil. 
Wow, one little word we pull out. I will fear no evil. What if we pull out the word no? And it is, I will fear evil. Have you ever found yourself in that place? You're, you're on a dark street and you feel like someone is going to attack you. you. You've read too much on the internet and you think you're going to die. Oh, listen, I've been there. Come on. Grab where David's at now. Come on, grab it. You've been there. You may be there right now. I will be emotionally distraught, full of terror, because wickedness, hurt, mischief, trouble, harm, and grief are going to kill me. But wait a minute. David said, I will fear no evil. I won't let wickedness, harm, and the, the mischief, the grief of my circumstances, the evil that the enemy of my soul brings against me, I will not become an emotional wreck. I won't allow myself to be full of terror because I'm going to fix my eyes on the good shepherd. I'm going to get my eyes off of all the negative what ifs. Anybody out there listening? I'm going to get my eyes off of the what ifs that could happen. And I'm going to claim the promise. The good shepherd reassures me in my loneliness. I love the story. One night there was a severe storm. Remember I said kids, afraid, the phobia. And a little boy called for his mom. She came in and tucked him in again. And he said, Mom, will you stay with me? She smiled. She said, no, honey, you're going to be fine. She said, I have to go in and sleep in Daddy's room. You'll be okay. Just as she was leaving the room, she heard him whisper, the big sissy. <laughs> oh, come on, did you get it? Even that little boy, he needed the comfort and the reassurance that his mom could give. I'm concerned for young millennials these days because of the pandemic. Just like the child that we read about in the little funny joke I told, did you know this? That 65% of people between the ages of 18 and 35 in the last 18 months have felt more lonely than ever before. We always talk about millennials being so connected to community, and yet one of the largest populations of people who feel fear, evil, and loneliness are younger adults. And I, I want to just say this to them. God loves you more than you can imagine or dream. And I know this applies to all of us, but let me reassure you by saying that when you feel alone, regardless of your age, don't just think of God as being some presence in the universe. The Good Shepherd wants a personal relationship with you, and I can't let you miss this with David. David had a personal relationship with God. No, he did not know Jesus as the incarnate Messiah the way that we can. 
but he was intimate with God. Well, think about us. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, how much more does the good shepherd want to do incredible things in our lives to reassure us in our loneliness? And I would have never seen this if it wasn't for scholar Chad Bird. I, I have never read this psalm completely in its Hebrew context. But this scholar has. And what Chad wrote is beautiful. He said, did you know that David writes 26 words before he comes to the line, for you are with me? Now just hold on to that. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. But suddenly, David makes this psalm personal and says, you, God, are with me. Then watch this. In Hebrew, he writes 26 more words. Now, I, I want to be honest. I didn't go open a Hebrew Bible and read that. But what I love is this thought. 26 words, the good shepherd is guiding and leading. And then he says, but God, you're my shepherd. And then he writes 26 more beautiful words that we'll tackle in the next few weeks. But don't miss this. At the very heart of the psalm is the goodness of God. When the good shepherd is dwelling in our hearts, when he is at the center of our lives, the good shepherd reassures us because, listen, you're never alone. You're not on your own unless you choose to be. And that brings us to the third beautiful promise of verse 4. David writes, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just read it again. Do it with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd. David, David remembers his shepherd days. There were two pieces of equipment, two tools he had with him at all times. One, a rod. Now, the literal translation, probably for us, best helps us see a club. It is a, a rod is more like a club that would have been used to defend the sheep from predators. Do you remember when David talked about how he killed the bear and the lion? You see, there, there was a need for the shepherd to protect the flock. And that's why he also had the staff. It was a long, let's call it a stick. It was a long stick but it had a curve or crook at the end. A shepherd would use it to save any wandering sheep from a snag or a snare. He would gently exert his authority to pull the sheep back into the fold and keep his sheep moving in the right direction. The shepherd uses these tools to bring protection, discipline, and alignment to the sheep who listen to God's voice. Please Please hear me. Please understand the beauty of what David writes. Because sheep can be stubborn, because I can exercise my own free will and at times get off the right paths, 
where the shepherd is trying to lead and guide. At times, he'll need that crook to bring me back. Oftentimes, I think of the shepherd's crook as God's word that brings me back and helps realign me. But then there are times where the shepherd, Jesus, is defending me against predators, against the enemy of my soul, against Satan, so that I can live without fear of evil. That's why I love turning to John chapter 10. In John 10, verses 3 through 4, Jesus said this, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. Now listen, because they know his voice. Now let's add verses 11 through 15. Jesus went on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Aren't you excited about that? It thrills me to realize this third promise. The good shepherd reassures me with compassion. When I give my heart and life to Jesus, Jesus isn't just my Savior, He's my shepherd. I know His voice, and He knows me. I'm not alone. Times may be uncertain, but I can know who the Good Shepherd is in my life. And that's why, I don't want you to miss this, in the psalm David talks about, he says that the good shepherd, his rod and they, his staff, they comfort me. The word comfort means, and I love this, it's a beautiful picture in the Hebrew, to console or ease my grief. Have you ever known somebody that was inconsolable? Overwhelmed with emotion, struggling. I'm glad... I'm glad Jesus, the good shepherd, knows me personally. I'm his child. I'm his sheep. And he wants to console me. He wants to reassure me. And that's why tucked into this understanding of the Hebrew word for comfort is the word compassion. Jesus not only wants to comfort me, he wants to give me the compassion to say, I understand. I died on the cross for you. I've been through pain and suffering. I died. I've been in the shadow of death. Totally human, totally divine. He knew what it was like to be bombarded with evil and fear. But he didn't give in because God was watching over him 
Only, only the good shepherd Jesus can bring relief to a weary soul. And that's why I want to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Listen to what the apostle Peter wrote. And don't forget, he knew Jesus the good shepherd. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Can I just get honest? I've been a sheep who goes astray. I've sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I'm certainly not perfect as I stand here today. But I have the beautiful, humble privilege of sharing with you that the Good Shepherd reassures me with compassion. There was a teacher at church. She was teaching the kids, and she decided her class should memorize Psalm 23. I can imagine if Pastor Liz said that to our kids. Hey guys, we're all going to memorize Psalm 23. She gave the kids a month to learn six verses. And there was one little boy, his name was Ricky. He struggled. He wanted to do it. He was excited about it. But he struggled. He just couldn't remember the psalm. And after days and days of practice, Ricky could barely get past the first line. Well, She asked the pastor if all the kids could stand in front of the church and recite Psalm 23. So the Sunday came and they were all standing here. The teacher was smart. She decided to put Ricky first. She wanted him to get through the nervousness. And he had a portion of the psalm to share. So he got up and he started and he said this, The Lord is my shepherd. Pause. The teacher looked at him, prompted. He had a little bit more to say. And once again, as loud as he could, he said, The Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need to know. <laughs> oh, I think Ricky had his theology right, don't you? The Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need to know. So this morning as we close out this beautiful verse, verse 4, I just want to know, are you allowing the good shepherd to reassure you? In all your struggles, in all the difficulties that you've been going through in your life, are you letting, are you asking and inviting the good shepherd to reassure you? Now here's what I would love for you to do. Would you just bow your heads at home? Just bow your heads right now. Don't don't end. This is the most important thing. Don't, Don't just click the button yet. Just hang on. This is the most important thing of the morning. With all of our heads bowed, I just want to know, is the Lord Jesus your shepherd? If you need Jesus to be your savior and shepherd, right there at home, will you just raise your hand? Would you just say, Jesus, I need you to be my shepherd, Jesus, I need you to be my savior. 
And perhaps you're out sitting listening to this message and you're, you're really thinking, I've been afraid a lot lately. I've been going through difficult times. Would you raise your hand? All of our eyes are closed. We're just being faithful to God. Would you raise your hand and say, I need the reassurance of my shepherd. I confess that I've been afraid. I confess that I feel lonely and uncertain. Would you just, right there in your home, just raise your hand and say, God, good shepherd, I need you. I want us to pray together. My eyes are shut. I, I just want us to pray together right now. Let me have the opportunity, the privilege of praying for you. Jesus, for anyone who's raising their hand and saying, I need a Savior to save me from my sins, my fears, my loneliness, my uncertainty. Jesus, right now, as they're praying, I ask that you would invade the heart of the person who needs a Savior in Jesus Christ. They, they're confessing, confess with me. Just say to Jesus, Jesus, I confess my sins and I pray, Jesus, that you would come and live in my heart. Just pray that prayer right now. And Jesus, I pray that you would just transform their lives in this moment. Father, for those that are raising their hands and saying, I'm afraid, I'm going through difficult times, I feel uncertain, Father, help them to have the comfort that only the Holy Spirit can give. As Jesus, you lead us through deep valleys that our, our feet would find the right steps to take and we would not give in to fear or evil. Right now, Jesus, please reassure your sheep and may we put our trust in you. And Jesus, good shepherd, watch over us all, we pray. And we ask this in your name. Amen. If you prayed either of those prayers, will you just reach out online? If you ask Jesus to be your Savior, just type it in right now. Put your name in and say, Pastor Drew, I just accepted Jesus as my Savior. Let us know that. And if you'll reach out to us, we can help you. If you'll let us have your information, we want to reach back to you because it's the most exciting decision you can make in life. And if you're going through fears, if you're in need of prayer, will you put that right in the chat? Just say, Pastor Drew, I need prayer right now for this. And put, put it in. Tell us what it is that you need. And remember, we're not done with this psalm yet. There's two more truths that we need to embrace. And never forget, you're not alone. God is with you and we love you. We're here for you. And until we see each other again, I'm praying for you. And I want to encourage you, take heart and be transformed. I'll see you soon. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page, you can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.